0: Around. don't need to fit into the crowd to be a force of nature Cause we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be the best they're going to see, they're going to see that we were born for this so we're Chapter 54 It took me about 0.3 seconds to recognize the man standing before us, Mark, the once-manic leader of the Doomsday Group. Someone I hadn't seen since Paris, since Angel disappeared. I was pretty sure he was responsible for that whole bloody nightmare. Hello, children, Mark said languidly. His entire body was covered with horrible burns, and his clothes were scorched and torn to the point of falling apart. You... Gazzy spat. His voice was shaking. You're the one from the tunnels. You hurt me, my sister. We were all glaring daggers at Mark, but despite his burns and the excruciating pain he must have been in, his expression was one of dreamy bliss. And that was what truly scared me. What made the hair on my arms stand up and my blood run cold. Angry people I can deal with. I can handle rage with a quick fight. Insane people are much more terrifying. They're totally unpredictable. Just say the word, Fang said to me under his breath. My hands clenched into fists as I prepared to kill the man who had taken Angel from us, to tear him limb from limb. Dylan readied himself beside me. I'm not a threat, children, Mark said, still wearing that crazed, happy expression of his. He took a step forward, and the six of us stepped back instinctively. This, this was all for you. At last, it's begun. Mark paused, looking bemusedly around at the destruction, at the burned wreckage, as if not really understanding what had happened. It's begun, he repeated, another beatrific smile. My work here is done. I've saved the planet, saved it, protected it for a select few. And you, my friends, will benefit. What are you talking about? I demanded. If there's anything worse than a psychopath, it's one who thinks he's doing evil deeds for a good reason. How is all of this? I waved my arm to encompass our surroundings. Saved the planet. How is what you did in Paris protecting the planet? I was shrieking in his face, rage dripping from my every word. His eyes were peaceful. You'll see, he assured me. He glanced down at his burned arms. The flesh flayed open and raw. He didn't seem to be feeling anything. He looked up, his eyes coming to rest on one shattered window. Its wire-embedded glass had been twisted outward by some explosive force. Mark examined it. A novelty. Then he turned back to us. You'll see, he repeated. The contagion has been unleashed. Now all will come to pass, and you'll thank me for it. Not likely, I said, advancing toward him. The only contagion I'm aware of is you and your insane cult. Now, if you don't tell us where you took... Take care of the earth, my children. Mark interrupted, still smiling. And then, he threw himself out the window. We have lightning-fast reflexes, but none of us got to him in time. It happened so fast, with no warning. Horrified, we ran to the window and looked out. We weren't very high up, but he'd landed on a pile of broken concrete. Shafts of rusty rebar stuck up at different angles one of them directly through Mark's throat. He still had that pleasant smile on his face, but his eyes stared blankly into nothing. "Uh," Nudge groaned, and then vomited on the floor at my feet. As I rubbed her back, I felt warm hands on my shoulders, and for a second, I couldn't tell if it was Dylan or Fang. Then Fang moved into my line of sight, scowling. It was Dylan who stood behind me. I stared down at Mark's body, and felt bile rising in my own throat. Well, that's... that. I said shakily, moving away from the window. So, we continue searching for Angel? Dylan asked quietly. I nodded. We always continue searching for Angel. Chapter 55 We searched the whole place, and my heart sank lower with every empty room. Not that the rooms were actually empty, They were full of the stuff of nightmares, blood-stained operating tables, cabinets full of horrifying tools, jars of specimens that made my stomach turn. Only Iggy would avoid having all these appalling images seared into his brain. The rest of us would carry them forever, like scars. Nudge reached out and took my hand, held it tightly as we looked at another huge jar, holding a preserved experiment. Oh god. Evil. So evil. I muttered, feeling heartsick. This had to be where Angel had been kept captive, ever since Paris. I didn't say anything to the others, but a black fog was starting to shroud my aching heart. How could she have survived this? And if she had survived it, how would she ever recover? Not just physically, but emotionally. We'd already been through more than anyone should ever have to go through. What if she'd finally been pushed over the edge? What if she could never come back? After yet another horrifying sight made me gag, I leaned against the wall and rubbed my eyes, which stung from the lingering smoke and chemical fumes. My throat was scratchy and dry, and it ached from the effort of suppressing my cries of shock and horror. She's not here, Gazzy said tonelessly, sitting down on a broken beam. Or, if she's here, she's part of the ashes. His voice broke. Let's start over again, from the first building, Dylan said. Squeezing Gazi's shoulder, he sounded tired but determined. No," said Fang. "We should take to the sky, do recon, and see if they left tracks. Whoever escaped—I mean, she could be with them. You think some people escaped?" Nudge's face was drawn. Fang nodded. "Someone always escapes." This had all been a for nothing. My baby was still gone. Don't, Don't give up, Max. My voice was very, very faint. It had never before sounded like it was talking to me from as far away as the moon. I almost thought I'd imagined it. Then I saw something through the dust on the floor. I pushed aside some charred beams and uncovered a metal trapdoor, maybe two feet by two feet, and padlocked from the outside. Nudge, I whispered. Closing her eyes, she swept her sensitive fingers over the lock several times. I didn't know how or why she could affect metal with her touch, but I was glad she could. Her fingers trembled with both the effort and emotion, and we all clung to the hope that there might be one more place we hadn't looked. The lock sprang open in her hand, and we yanked the doors open. A narrow metal staircase led down into darkness. I went down first, my senses screaming with alertness. It took my eyes a couple of seconds to adjust to the lack of light, but at my first quick scan, we seemed to be in a small room. An empty room. I felt a terrible pain in my chest as my heart constricted with grief. There was nowhere else to look. Angel was either dead or being rushed to another secret facility, and I knew she wouldn't be able to withstand this torture until we could find her again. The tears I'd been holding back during our search suddenly started streaming down my face. I couldn't breathe. I wanted to fly out of there and never come back. Let the world take care of itself from now on. I was done. As I turned to rush out, my eyes fell on a small back room, behind the stairs we had just come down. I reached the doorway in two strides. A feathery, dirty heap was strapped to a table in one cold corner. Angel? I whispered, not letting myself believe it could be her. We knew there were other winged kids out there. It would be too good to be true. I took a few more steps toward the figure, and then collapsed onto the floor beside it. I knew that face, that hair, no matter how wrecked they had become. Trust me, it's impossible to describe the rush that happens when your whole soul shifts in an instant from despair and loss, to realizing that maybe it was just all a horrible lie, a nightmare, that hope is truly alive. Angel! I cried, sobbing and stroking matted curls away from her grimy face, while Fang immediately started dismantling the clamps. Angel, we're right here! We came to get you! Angel, wake up! I gently cradled her head, which lulled back. Was it really her? Or just... her body? I got no response. As soon as Fang was finished with the clamps, I gathered her up, and it felt like I was holding styrofoam. There was hardly anything there, as if she hadn't eaten since Paris. Numerous puncture wounds dotted both arms. How many times could my baby be torn from me and survive it? The massive tsunami wave of joy I'd felt moments earlier was already rushing back out to sea. Angel, please, I begged, cuddling her close please be okay. We're all here now. Max, Fang, Iggy, Nudge, Gazzy, Dylan. We're all right here. You're safe. We're all together. Please, sweetie, please wake up. My words were coming in gasps. And then? Had I imagined it? Had her too thin, too light body shifted? She made a tiny sound. Her eyelids fluttered. She's alive. Gazzy's voice was hushed, but thrilled. A fierce joy swelled inside me. She was alive. She really was. And she was going to stay that way, at least while I was on this planet. No matter what, I would never, ever let her out of my sight. We would never be separated again. Chapter 56. My brain was on a drunken loop of joy, disbelief, shock, ecstasy. This is really my angel, my own angel. The others crowded around and tried to touch and embrace her, so they, too, could truly believe what I was still trying to absorb. But I wouldn't let go of her. We need to get her out of here, Dylan instructed, gently pushing his way in close to help me lift her body. I hardly registered Fang's irritated look. Nothing in the world mattered to me at that moment, except keeping my little girl safe with me. I stood up and carried Angel upstairs, into the light. Someone had padlocked her in that underground room. There would have been no way for her to get out. Someone had left her there to die. Max? Her voice was barely a breath. Yes, sweetie, I said, trying not to leak tears on her. I'm here. We're going to get you somewhere safe. Get you all patched up. Good as new. Her small head shook. I'll never be as good as new, she whispered weakly. They messed up my eyes. They clipped my wings. What? I'll never fly again. She whimpered sadly. Tears slowly streaked the dirt on her face. I quickly traced down her primary feathers to her flight feathers, fanning them gently in my hand. They looked fine. No, your feathers are okay, I reassured her, understanding the kind of crazy confusion the white coat's drug could cause. You'll be fine, I promise. You'll be flying in no time. We'll take care of you. Her eyes opened slightly, and she looked into the sky, past my head. They experimented on my eyes, Max. A cold fist grabbed my heart and yanked. What? Like Iggy, she confirmed, and I was seized with fresh horror. Jeb was here. He said it was for my own good. Her voice was weak. It was hard to make out what she was saying. Tell me, Angel, I said urgently, pulling Gazzy to my side. Who is standing next to me? Tell me. Don't tell me you're blind. I... I... She blinked and blinked again. We were all holding our breath. My brother, Gazzy. She breathed. Is that you? Gazzy threw his arms around her and sobbed. Everything is kind of a blur. Angel whispered as Gazzy pulled away. Shh, sweetie, I said. Don't try to talk. You're waking up from a drug-induced nightmare. We'll make sure you're okay. We're going to take you home now. Again, she shook her head, opened her eyes. She peered up at me anxiously, her eyes not quite focusing. Max, your mom was there. I saw her. Dr. Martinez. She's, she's one of them. I looked up to see the flock recoiling in shock. No, sweetie, I said, my mind reeling. You've been hallucinating. Your feathers are fine, and my mom isn't one of the baddies. It was just all weird hallucinations. Angel shook her head. No. Your mom was there. She helped them. Dr. Martinez is on their side. Chapter 57 I tried to keep my emotions under control as we flew home, but sometimes I could barely see through the tears. Angel weighed so little that it was no problem for Dylan, Iggy, Fang, and me to take turns carrying her on the flight. We also picked up Total on the return trip. I knew he'd want to see Angel right away, and I was right. I'd never heard him bark so wildly with joy. As soon as Angel was settled, cleaned up and in fresh clothes, but still pale and worn out, I left her sleeping peacefully with Nudge and in charge and Total curled up at her side. I needed to be alone in the woods for a minute to get my emotions under control. Otherwise, I'd be a crying mess when Angel was finally ready to talk about what happened. So, it wasn't necessarily the best timing when Fang crept up quietly behind me, just like he always used to, and scared the stuffing out of me. We need to talk. About you. And me. I could feel the heat rising to my cheeks. There is no you and me, per your instructions, I said, my jaw clenching. I don't know about that, he said. Oh, please. You left, I said accusingly. Twice, actually. You threw any us we had in my face. Then you decided to get all hot and heavy with Maya. That last part came up before I could stop it, and I cringed, remembering what Ari had said. Maya's dead, Fang said tensely, confirming what I already knew. I winced at the grief in his voice. And this isn't about her. It's about the connection you and I have. We'll always have, no matter what. I opened my mouth to retort, but nothing came out. So Feng forged right on, breaking my heart with his honesty. I heard a voice, Max. He said, gripping my arm, pulling me closer. And it told me I needed to come home to you, even though I had to practically walk the whole way. Even though I was close to dying. I came back. To you and I wanted to tell you. Maybe I never told you very clearly before. My heart was racing so fast I thought I was having a heart attack. I wanted to tell you that I- Stop. I cried, putting my hands over my ears. Just don't, okay? But looked determined, and there was only one thing to do when he looked like that. I took off. If I pour on the speed, I can hit almost 300 miles per hour while flying. Faster than any recombinant life form I'd ever heard about. Faster than anyone. Except Fang. I was probably already a couple miles away, still snibbling and cursing, when I felt a hand grab my sneaker. He stayed with me, matching me stroke for stroke without releasing his death grip on my ankle. Finally, it was too hard to stay balanced, so I put on the brakes. I banked steeply and rolled around to face him. Fang, I can't hear this right now. I shouted, tears streaming down my face. My life is hard and confusing enough without you making it harder. Everything is just really, you know, complicated and... I trailed off, thinking of the complicated things in my life. The other complicated something. I'm not trying to make it harder or more confusing. Fink said quietly, smiling that lopsided smile of his. Warm emotion showed in his black eyes, and for a minute... I actually had to concentrate on staying airborne. I'm trying to tell you what you already know. I just... need you. We need each other. But I just can't do this. I flailed my arms around, indicating whatever this was, encompassing everything. With you. Not now. Not today. Not after everything we've been through with Angel. So... I swallowed, trying to ignore my stupid heart. Just don't say any more, I whispered. Please. But if I could hear the catch in my voice, I knew Fang had picked up on it too. He'd moved closer. We were nose to nose now, our wings almost overlapping, as each stroke took us up ten feet, then down again. We'd been flying together our whole lives, and keeping in perfect rhythm was second nature to us. My arms were crossed over my chest, my elbows almost brushing against him and Fang reached out and held my arms, below my shoulders. He let his thumb brush against my skin, slowly. I shivered. Fang's touch was so familiar. How many times had he done this? Old times and new all jumbled together. Emotions and memories became indecipherable. The only thing that I knew was that we'd grown and changed. It was almost like he was a new Fang. I felt almost like a new Max. Could we still fit together? Max. He said my name like it was a life raft, like it was a religion. His warm fingers stroked up and down my arms. What? I whispered. Or had I even said it aloud? I didn't know what to do, so I stared into his eyes for the answer, and then I let them rest there. I didn't want to be the first to look away. I reached out and put my hands on his shoulders, felt his strong, Light bones under his skin. I remembered what he had carved into a cactus once. Max, plus Fang, forever. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Bootleg Audiobook Podcast thing. I am your Olivet Mark, and we got a couple messages on the Spotify Q&A thing. The first one is from Emily, who said, The highlight of my day, this podcast with a little smiley emoticon thing. Thank you, Emily. It feels very nice to know that people enjoy this thing that I'm doing. <laughs> uh, and it makes me very happy that it's the highlight of your day. Thank you so much, Emily. The next one was from Axolotl who said, I just wanna say thank you for making this pod. These books are like my escape from stress. Once again, thank you so much Axolotl. It really means a lot that people like are enjoying this. Somebody asked the other day, and I kind of added up how much time it takes to do these books. And it's about 40 to 45 hours per book uh, for recording and editing and kind of everything between there. So it feels pretty nice when you guys say that you're actually like, enjoying this and stuff. It means a lot to me. Thank you guys, and thank you Axolotl. Alright, let's get into the recommendation for this week. The recommendation for this week is the video game Fallout New Vegas. So this is another oldie because apparently all I do is play old games and listen to old books and old music and watch old movies and shows. Meh, whatever. I'd never played a Fallout game before, but my friend recommended Fallout New Vegas specifically to me because he said the story is really good and a lot of the gameplay mechanics are tweaked and touched up from the first few games. So this one is like the best one in his opinion. So I picked it up when it was on sale on the Steam store and I'm honestly having a fantastic time with it. So Fallout New Vegas is a sequel to Fallout 3 where you are a courier who is taking something called a platinum chip uh, as part of a job you're transporting it, but you get ambushed by a mobster and his uh, goons named Benny. And he tries to shoot the courier and doesn't quite manage to kill him, but uh, steals the platinum chip. So you as the courier are now traveling across the former city of Las Vegas, which is now called New Vegas, and is a city-state. And you're trying to go get the chip back from him. Along the way, you meet a bunch of different factions. There is the New California Republic, Caesar's Legion, and Mr. House, all of whom are fighting for power over uh, New Vegas. So throughout the game, you fight like irradiated monsters, but depending on which faction you side with, you kind of, you have to fight off the other factions. You can do tasks for the different groups and gain either like infamy in one group or uh, fame in the other. If you do good things for the New California Republic, then they start to like you more, but usually in doing those things, you lose favor with uh, Caesar's Legion or someone else it's really interesting. There's a lot of different ways to play the game. Like, uh, right now I'm kind of doing a goody two-shoes, basically do whatever people tell me to do, Uh, don't do any bad things. But I'm planning on, after I finish this one, doing like a super evil mean route, where I just am really mean to everybody, and I side with the guys who are like explicitly bad and stuff. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. But the game is also an open world game, which I really enjoy. There's so much to explore. Like, I've played this game for 36 hours, and I think I've covered maybe half the map, max. And there's some areas in there that I still haven't even completely explored yet. It's a lot of fun. I also really enjoy the aesthetic. Uh, It takes place in the year 2281, but there was kind of a, you know, nuclear fallout. Uh, The world is kind of destroyed, and people are trying to rebuild, and so everything kind of is, like, really gritty... It's just, it's a really cool aesthetic, I really enjoy it. So, that is the game Fallout New Vegas, and I will leave a link in the show notes to the Steam page for it. This one is actually one of the cheaper Fallout games at $10, but I do think it goes on sale during Steam sales, and is usually like $5 or $6, something like that, but it is well worth $10 if you just want to buy it right now. But yeah, that is the video game Fallout New Vegas. Check it out. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at maximumcrimepod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at maximum-crime-pod. And if you want to leave a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. Alrighty, that's all I got to say for this time. So, until next time, fly on.